You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line drive, this game is over! Goodbye baseball, Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the Now, line. here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Hope you had a good Monday. Mariners back in action tonight, taking on the Angels after the off day. Six games until the All-Star break, three against the Angels starting tonight. We'll dive into that in just a second. This is going to be a fun podcast. I realized today, I think at some point, that I forgot to play the Scott Service reaction from his All-Stars. So I'll get to that in just a moment. And remember, Gene Segura, you still have time to vote, and you can vote as many times as you want. And it goes till Wednesday, so Wednesday at 1. So just keep voting. Vote early, vote often, and he deserves it. Gene Segura, a tremendous first half. So by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably get the first results about where he's sitting in this mix. So keep voting, keep voting. Okay, so the Mariners take on the Angels for the first of three tonight. Mariners were off last night. Angels off last night as well. The Oakland A's were in action, and the A's continue to roll. You look at it now, the A's just six games back of the Mariners for the wild card spot. The A's 8-2 and two in their last 10. I mean, they've been on a long stretch of winning. They beat the Astros last night 2 to nothing. Astros 61 and 32, the Mariners 57 and 34, so the M's now 3 games back of Houston. The A's 51 and 40, 6 games back of the Mariners, 9 games back of the Astros. They've won 3 in a row, and the Angels hanging on 1 game above 500 at 46 and 45, but and this series becomes vitally important for the Angels because not only are they staring up at the Mariners now, but also the Oakland A's. The Angels, 14 games back of the Astros, 11 games back of the Mariners, five games back of the Oakland A's. So you look at it, these three games against the Mariners, also three more before the trade deadline, just vitally important as the Angels try and make a run at this thing. And now the Mariners, with the A's right there as well, want to end this first half strong with six games to go. So uh, the Oakland A's have Houston again tonight, and they're just playing some great, great baseball. Mariners, of course, will see a ton of A's in the second half, obviously. So tonight, Mike Leak will take the ball, 7-0-7 first pitch. Garrett Richards will go for the Angels in game one. Marco Gonzalez in game two. Felix Hernandez in Game 3, TBA in Game 3 on Thursday. All 7.07 first pitches before the Mariners head to Colorado late night arrival in Denver for a Friday affair against the Rockies. So 
Man, this is going to be a fun stretch here. The last six before the All-Star break, and we'll see what the Mariners can do now, 56-34 and 34 on the season. Now, a big part, and we've talked about it on the podcast from time to time, a big part to what this season has been has been defense. Jesse Smith, director of analytics, is going to be here to talk defense. First, I mentioned Scott Service, his reaction to the All-Stars. Let's get it. Very pleased about the three. He'd love one more. Certainly, we're, we're well represented. Um, Eddie Diaz um, making the, his first stop in an All-Star game. Unbelievable first half he's had. You know, Nelson Cruz has been there before. Really happy for Mitch Hanniger uh, getting the opportunity. This will be his first trip. Um, quite, quite frankly, just shocked as much as anything that Gene Segura uh, wasn't on it. But there's a lot of good players in the league. Certainly shortstop is a position that has, you know, got guys having great years. Uh, but it's really hard to hit 330 in this league. It's hard to hit 330 for two weeks, let alone half a season. Uh, Gene's just been unbelievable. I thought what he did today defensively, uh, I've, I've said it all season, it, it, does, it goes under the radar. People don't know what a job he's done defensively. And, you know, uh, James Paxton, I think I go back to that no-hitter game uh, that he had up in Toronto and what that did for our team as far as, you know, just energizing our club. And, you know, he's the top of the rotation guy. He's the horse that, um, you know, is, is really – uh, carried uh, our starting rotation. And, you know, Pax and, and Gene not getting, um, it, it's tough, but there's a lot of good players in the league and explain to those guys and, you know, they get it. But uh, Gene will have opportunity, you know, to go in that fan voting uh, situation where one of the five guys will go. So certainly hope our fans step up, uh, you know, people around the, the Pacific Northwest put their votes in because Gene really deserves to go. Yeah, there's a few starters. Uh, I saw a couple names that, that were maybe omitted. Some guys are having unbelievable seasons, so I certainly hope so. Uh, sometimes that happens. You know, there's an injury, something happens here in the last week or so that, you know, other people get a chance to go. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Now they're getting on there. I mean, kind of slow start, but it kind of speaks to uh, gives what he's done over the course of the Yeah, very slow start. And, um, you know, a couple, you know, nagging injuries he got over. He got on that stretch where he was just so hot and uh, really got going. I think everybody looks you know, um, at our ball club, the record we have, certainly he's a big part of it in the middle of our lineup, and he's a name that people recognize. There, there's no question about it. Don't know if he'll get the picture with the umpire again this year, but we'll see. 15 saves to 15. Excuse me? 15 saves to 15. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> it's really going to be rough, that haircut, and I can't wait. Let me tell you what. I'm the only one that can't wait. My wife and family, not so much, but... Uh, uh, no, it is, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We're having fun with it. Um, just keep them healthy and, and hope we get there. Get a couple guys who are going to be first-time All-Stars. You know, you had to explain what that experience would be for those guys. How big is that? I've never been an All-Star, so I'm, I'm not a good one. Ichiro, on the other hand, I'll let Ichi talk to them. And uh, I actually talked to Ichi today, and I think he's been there 10 times. And I said, you know, what's your most memorable event about an All-Star game? And he said, rookie year here at Safeco. He said, this place was lit. In Ichi. That's that's definitely Ichi. <laughs> All right. Does it say something for your, for your team, though, that you get, like, so many nods and extra people voted in and, and, and that kind of stuff, that the team is kind of rising the, uh, the players and the players' notability around the league? Yeah, well, you know, I think when we have the record we have, we, we certainly uh, had a lot to prove to start the season. Off to a good start. People around the country have taken notice. And the reason we're in this position is because the guys in that clubhouse, players that come and perform every day and uh, – you know, good to some of those guys get recognized. 
All right, now let's talk some defense with Director of Analytics, Jesse Smith. Jesse, thanks for coming by. It's always great to chat. Always appreciate it. Always a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. Why is he not wearing his Mariners shirt? That seems like a great question. It's a good question. <laughs> you know, when the team's in town, it's not casual Fridays. <laughs> the the T-shirt tuck-in look, I, I, I don't <laughs> think I've accumulated that much credibility. Now you're nice. getting there. Nice. Uh, I wanted to start talking some defense. There's been so many great elements to this ball club so far this season, and perhaps the defense is something we don't talk about enough. We know the public numbers are different than the numbers you look at, but the public numbers are pretty spectacular, whether you're talking about Hanniger or Zanino or Seeger. I mean, go down the list. What are you seeing defensively for this team this year? Defensively, I think it's, it's going wonderfully so far. Everything is in sync. I think we have a lot of individuals that are having really great seasons as well. Don't want to get too specific, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, it's, I think it's, we're having a phenomenal defensive season from my lens. How are you seeing the change defensively for the Mariners with now Gordon at second base and Heredia in center field, that duo now that personnel has changed somewhat? Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, obviously two really talented defenders. Uh, I think Heredia is, is a natural center fielder, uh, so having him on reserve and, allow, and having the flexibility to move Gordon in from second was a true luxury uh, of our roster construction. Uh, Gordon, you know, we all saw it last night. He has incredible range. Uh, it's really interesting comparing him to Cano. I, I think you have two above-average defenders. Uh, Gordon maybe go as far as elite, uh, but they're, they, they contrast. Uh, they're very different. With Cano, you have some of the best hands in the game and an incredibly strong arm. And with Gordon, you have the best range in the game. Uh, so... They play the same position, but they uh, man it in very different ways. Mitch Hanniger, uh, on the public numbers, defensive runs saved, he's tied at the top, most in the big leagues. How good has Mitch Hanniger been in right field this year? He has been very good. His, his arm is, is the difference mm -hmm. maker. Uh, I don't think it, ha it is the strongest arm in the league, but I dare say it's one of the most accurate arms in the league. Uh, and I think he's, he has plus he's, – he's really around – he has plus tools defensively in every aspect, great instincts, plus range. Uh, but really, if there was any one thing to point to, I think both this year and last year, it's just been arm accuracy, creating outs on the bases. Matt Chapman is going to be really hard to wrestle a gold <laughs> glove away from this year. I mean, he is ridiculous, third baseman for the A's. That being said, Kyle Seeger, we've talked to many people, and there are a lot of people well-informed in this game, Jesse, who believe that Seager is playing as good a third base as in his gold glove season, if not better. Uh, what do the numbers in your eye test as well tell you from what we have seen from Kyle Seager this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Seager is one of the best third basemen in the game. Uh, Chapman is amazing. It's like Nolan Arenado incarnate, but uh, which is really hard to compete with. I think Seager probably has the best quick release arm accuracy in the game. Ball goes to him. It is on its way to first base faster than with any other third baseman. Uh, he will always be in the towards the top of the league for that reason. Uh, I think he is playing at, at about the same rate as his Gold Glove season. Uh, don't know if I don't know if we're able to slow down Chapman. We're gonna have to hit some lasers over there. <laughs> when you look at what the pitching staff has done, the starting rotation specifically, third in baseball in the innings pitch, they've been great. How connected 
is their success on the mound to what we've seen defensively, especially when you consider outside of Paxton, it really pitched to more contact than Paxton, certainly. Yeah, I mean, with Paxton up there, I, I think we could put the defenders really <laughs> Just give them the night off, right. it'd be fine. Uh, it might just motivate them even more. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we, have a lot, we have a lot of ground balls, and we have a lot of uh, soft contact being generated by our staff. Uh, when that's the case, they make it easy on our defense. Uh, but but I do think we're seeing a lot of benefit from the shift, particularly uh, when our when our right-handers pitch and we can just shift all those left-handers. Uh, we just eat them up. Okay, talking about the shift, we noticed something the other night when the Angels were in town, Jesse. There were three consecutive right-handed hitters for the Angels, and the Mariners had the shift on for all three of them. And the thing that stood out was, of course, that they were all right-handed hitters, right? I mean, go back a year, certainly two years, you maybe would see one shift for a right-handed hitter, not three consecutive. How much has that changed for the Mariners this year? Yeah, so that is very rare for us. Uh, myself and fellow analyst John Chenier set the original recommendations, uh, and then they go down to the coaching staff for, for final approval to make sure we're not doing anything too crazy. Uh, and a lot of times we don't call for the right-handed shift uh, compared to some other teams. I think we're more average to maybe even a little bit conservative there. And that's just that's because that's what our data process tells us. And uh, I think that, frankly, some teams are too aggressive shifting right-handers because uh, the difference, of course, between right-handers and left-handers left batters is that the first baseman has to be tied to first base. He's got to be able to get there to convert the out. So when you shift a right-hander... Uh, you're opening up a hole uh, just to the right of second base, uh, which is far more costly than uh, shifting a left-hander where you're just opening up uh, third base. So the trade-off is, is much more slim is where I'm going with this. Uh, and I think we have a pretty sophisticated method. It's been really successful for the past two and a half seasons. Uh, so it's just pretty rare. You really have to have extreme pull tendencies. The Angels just happen to uh, line it up for us. And... Uh, I don't know. Was one of those Mike Trout? I feel like you know one of them. I don't think it w we did notice you shifting Trout. It was not Trout, and it was not Pujols. These were guys near the bottom half of the order, and it really stood out. We saw it in, in uh, consecutive nights. Yeah, we're. Uh, I don't know. It's going pretty well right now. Maybe we're just getting a little extra aggressive. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, Scott loves to shift the Angels. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's just a perfect storm. So actually really interesting. Uh, last thing on that is a lot of I noticed a lot of teams shifting Mitch Hanniger. Yes. We're not on that. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I can point to two games where teams did that to Mitch, and he burned them for the, the game, for the difference, the game-winning run. Uh, we, two one-run victories where a Mitch Hanniger dribbler single uh, to the right of second base was the difference in the game. And it's interesting because, yeah, our process does not suggest that. You know, it's, it's worked at times, too. I'm not saying it's totally misguided, but it's, it's interesting to me. How much do you examine what other teams do? Uh, we certainly keep tabs on it, you know, not just, not just exclusive to defense. It's always interesting to see what teams are doing. Everyone's always looking for the edge. But we try not to groupthink it. If, mm -hmm. if, our pro if we believe in our process and it tells us one thing, try to shut out the other teams. Now, there are probably a few teams that have been really successful, so we'll pay attention to them particularly, but... We're not gonna, we're not gonna change what we're doing in a meaningful way just based on what a, an analytics-driven team is doing. Describe for us the joys and pains when you watch a Mariners game. 
And the shift saves the day for the Mariners, a shift that you recommended. And contrast that with when you feel that X player should be shifted and whoever it is, coaching staff, starting pitcher, what have you, decides, I'd rather not have the shift on. And then, wouldn't you know it, it's in a center field for a base hit. There is no euphoria greater <laughs> than yes. a shift-saving line drive out. Uh, or, you know, a really hard-hit ground ball. But I think the true 80 would be the the shift in the triangle, a laser hit to Gordon to save the game, which I don't think has happened yet. I know it's come really close to happening a couple times, but uh, – you know, the crazier the alignment, the more exciting it is when it of pays course. off. Of course, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. Uh, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. I think I'm starting to get old because I'm not – my heart rate is not increasing with every ground ball. I've, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's super exciting, and it it sucks to, to let the team down, when one, when it, especially when it's just a 60-mile-an-hour dribbler. It's <laughs> like, you know, that's 100% on us at that point, so – well, he showed us the chart. It, it seems like things are going exceptionally well in terms of the shift. Uh, yeah, things are going really well. Uh, our internal numbers suggest that uh, year-to-date uh, in 2018, we're fifth uh, in the league, fifth out of 30 uh, in our defensive positioning success. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of the ballpark of where we've been since we implemented uh, our, our shifting regimen. Uh, now, what do you mean? In 2016. What, how do you define defensive positioning success right uh good question so there's probably a lot of different ways to define it the the one way we came up with that keeps it uh simple is we compare we compare our alignments to what we think was likely to happen if we were playing an old-timey straight-up alignment uh and what i mean by that is with the basically with the fielders as far apart as possible, uh, not paying any any heed to the batter side or any of their tendencies. If you just spread them out, which is how the game used to be played, because yeah. they didn't have the data to track these things. Although I, I have talked to a few scouts in our system, uh, like uh, Woody Woodward, who says he used to manually track uh, spray back with the Yankees. What really? So uh, ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. But, uh, you know, but it's, you only see the players when they're in town. Now we see them, you know, 24-7 on StatCast. Uh, so, anyway, we track it. We, we ask ourselves, what would happen if we did nothing and what, what is happening for us? And then we do that for all the teams, uh, and we sort of evaluate, evaluate all the teams relative to one another on that. Now, it's not completely apples to apples, ground balls, are incredibly random. Batters have some control, but sort of like a wide lens of control. And then within that wide lens of spray, it can do all sorts of things that are out of anyone's control is the way that, uh, that I think about it. But over time, you get a sense that, that what you're doing is working and what we're doing is definitely working. The news at Safeco Field is that Jerry DePoto has signed a multi-year extension. Jerry is your boss. Jerry is very much on board with all of this. I mean, is there kind of a fist bump all the way around in the uh, Mariners section of Safeco Field knowing that, okay, this is working, people upstairs are appreciating it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Mariners, there's always a lot of fist bumps going on <laughs> in the Mariners area. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's awesome, awesome news. Uh, Jerry came in. He's made a lot of positive changes. Uh, I think we're seeing that play out. And, uh, you know, 
personally, it's been a ton of fun for me what he's empowered me to do with the analytics department, the Mara Nerds. One of the uh, stories I shared with with Gary, but I have not shared anywhere else, was in spring training. Oh, yes. I was with Jerry <laughs> and was leaving his office, and you and uh, one of your uh, peers were walking into the office, and Jerry said, I think, I think I'm going to say this right, said, uh, Aaron, I've got a predictive ERA meeting with Jesse Smith, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> you want to hang around? Is that, was that what it was, predictive ERA? Am I making that up? Oh, no. I mean, everything we look at is we're all about predictive. What they've done in the past is only as good as how much we can predict what it means in the future, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we gotta we got to keep Jerry up to speed on the latest and greatest. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, that meant Jerry, a major league general manager, is carving out 30 minutes of his day to hear two nerds who in the basement came up with a guessing game of what ERAs will look, will look like. And he said, yeah, okay, I'll listen. I mean, that's how I interpreted it. Is that far off? Oh no, that's right. Let's just say we, you know, we put a lot of time into those data visuals uh, for the for the boss. Well, I'm sure he, he, I can tell he most certainly appreciates it because it's a big part of the blueprint for the Mariners. Oh, All yeah. joking aside, I mean, as long as it makes sense, he will buy it. If it doesn't make sense, he will question it, as he should. Uh, and you know, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't always make sense on the first try. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a. I think we have a great process in place. Uh, we're building good things. Is that intimidating, by the way? To s I mean, you know Jerry very well now, obviously, but especially in his early days when you have a maybe a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him and you're about to throw some theory out at him. He's very well-informed, as well-informed as anybody in the game. Is that intimidating? Oh, yeah. From day one, Jerry made it clear that if, if you're bringing something, you better be ready. He's, he's going to come at you if he's got questions. Uh, and, of course, Jerry is always intimidating. He has what I would say is major gravitas. Uh, the room, the gravity of the room just swells around him. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, if you know what you're talking about, it's fine. And, and uh, so, yeah, at this point, uh, I think it's, it's just business as usual. But Last time we talked was right before the draft. You were going to use your, your new system that you designed before the draft. How, d how did that shake out? Were you happy with how things went? You know, that, I'm glad you asked about that. One of one of the highlights of my career so far, I mean, knock on wood, we'll see how the draft actually turns out. It takes five to ten right, years to know right. if you did a, a good job. But uh, we employed this draft model. Uh, we It led to all sorts of crazy discussions about, well, the model likes this player, and we really don't. So what what does that mean? Mm. And talking through that, I think, was really healthy and fascinating. Uh, and I think it definitely streamlined our process. And, you know, the draft, it's – I think in any one draft, I don't know if it's going to – we're going to hit the jackpot, but if we if we keep at it for five, ten drafts, I think we'll – will really make some positive gains and uh, add some extra talent to the organization. But Jesse, we could talk till game time. But thanks for coming over. We appreciate it. Thanks for the insight. It's always so much fun. Hey, it's it's always fun being here. Thanks, guys. See you later.